I relate to Scott Pilgrim because I'm actually the worst, not good with relationships, a total asshole, afraid of confrontation, not worthy of the people in my life, ugly, and good at kicking ass. (laughs) 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 That that is a letterboxed review of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World by Katie, just Katie. I don't, there are probably a bajillion Katie's on Letterboxd. And she rated the movie five stars, which is epic. Katie, we're shouting you out. If you're listening to this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> to, to Katie. I am Olivia Clement. I'm Isaac Sims. This is Flyover Film Show a podcast about movies from the perspectives of two people who live in places oft forgotten by Hollywood. We keep up with the goings-on in Hollywood, but remain very much grounded in Midwest America. And although we can't just up and move to LA, we can still share our love for movies with our friends and family. And today we are doing the second episode in our Scott Pilgrim vs. the World series. Uh, Today's episode is going to specifically focus on the reception of the movie to the world at large uh, in 2010 and possible reasons why it was a box office failure the title of this episode is is oh it's convoluted i'm reading reading it now (laughs) scott pilgrim's reception versus the world of 2010 (laughs) (laughs) which works which works it works yeah before we jump in olivia i was going to ask you have you watched any good stuff this week in quarantine in quarantine this week i have watched I, I feel like I haven't watched really movies. I started The Watchmen, which okay. we've yeah, yeah, discussed, yeah. Uh, which is cool because it, it's set in Tulsa, uh, which is two hours from here, from where I live. Uh, so that's been really interesting. And then Avatar The Last Airbender finally came on Netflix. So yesterday I the cartoon. spent... The Yeah, the cartoon, not the movie. I've never seen the movie. Uh, yeah, I thought, like, I actually forgot there was a movie for a second, but just had to right. clarify for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not Avatar, the James Cameron movie. Not uh, the James Cameron movie. Not the James Cameron movie. The the show that was on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I watched... Nor the M. Night Shyamalan movie. No, yeah, no. No, 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 no. I watched uh, 30 episodes yesterday. Okay. That's all I did. So, yeah. Nice. What, what about you? What have you been watching? We watched the Minority, or Minority Report last night, Steven Spielberg. 2002 movie. I have heard a lot of good stuff about this movie, mm-hmm. but I was very I was very disappointed. It had kind of a weird narrative technically and world building wise and the aesthetic and set design. All that's really cool, but overall I was very just kind of frustrated the whole time. Um it kind of remi- and, and there's a scene I told Jessica about this this morning. There's a scene that looks exactly like the scene in Attack of the Clones where they're going through the conveyor belt Anakin and Padme and all mm-hmm. the machinery is coming down on top of them, barely missing them. Mm-hmm. Minority Report and Attack of the Clones came out the same year within a month of each other. It's crazy. And I That's looked it up weird. and obviously Spielberg and Lucas are friends. Sure. But I was just like, did one of them had to steal it from the other? Right. So yeah. I'd, anyway, I'd, I'm going to dig into that more. Um, nobody cares, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> and then we watched, re rewatched Parasite two days ago. Oh, nice. How is it? The Was that the, your second time watching it? Second time, yeah. Okay, how was it on the rewatch? So good. 
sublime i love it well okay that's our that's our flyover film update from what we've been watching recently so let's jump into scott pilgrim versus the world of 2010 yes um olivia where were we in 2010 where or what were your what was your life like and then i can share a little bit what was going on with me all right so in 2010 i was living in fort smith arkansas i was finishing up the ninth grade starting the 10th grade. So I turned 16 that year and I'd been living in Fort Smith for a little over a year. Uh, most of my life was focused on basketball and school and like church uh, is also the first year I was going to be in high school, like physically at the high school. So that was a culture, maybe not a culture shock, but just a, a shift for me. And then, uh, yeah, I pretty much just hung out with my teammates and friends from church and that was that was what my life looked like what did what did 15 year old isaac what did his life look like 15 year old isaac the highlight of his summer was going to see scott pilgrim versus the world in august naturally um i was living on pleasant court with my family at that point i was i'm trying to remember i was the oldest in my house at that point i have a huge family so three of my older siblings were gone to college went to see Scott Pilgrim with my oldest brother um, at the Breckenridge Theater, which used to be United Artists, and now it is Regal Entertainment. I've seen most of the movies that I've seen in theaters have been at that theater. I have very good memories of that. My parents no longer live at that house, which is sad because we could, we could just walk to the movies, which is really fun. Um, saw all those formative movies like The Incredibles and uh, Scott Pilgrim. And the rest don't matter. I can't remember the rest of them anyway. <laughs> so They'll come to mind when we get to them. Yeah, exactly. I'd lived there for 11 years. I can picture the bad cargo shorts I wore every day that summer. <laughs> I think I had just bought a Gibson SG electric guitar, which is I was so excited about. I dropped like $400 on it. So that was awesome. But it's kind of what, uh, that's what my life looked like at the time. And um, I did, I had, I I think it was that summer that I was unofficially allowed internet privileges. What? Ooh. Because I remember looking at movies and box office numbers on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if internet's always been kind of a thing in your life, but I remember like that summer, I was like, no one is, my, my parents aren't getting onto me for being on the internet without asking or whatever. So I was curious to ask you that and see if there was like a turning point in your life. Cause it was, for me, it was that summer. I, I don't remember. I think probably when I was in like started middle school, I was able to get on the internet more. Most of the time though, I was playing games often on websites that would somehow create or like add a virus to the computer. So, <laughs> um, or I was watching like YouTube, like videos on YouTube. Like it was always typically uh, music videos. Uh, very <laughs> middle school. Olivia was very much into what is now, I guess, considered the the emo pop punk era. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I listened to a lot of music videos, but I don't remember a specific like time in my life where my parents were like, okay, you're free to do whatever on the internet. Um, so, but I do, yeah, so that, that was it. Gotcha, yeah. Um, well, I remember looking up actually the, the box office reception for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World because I was like, I said to myself, this movie's awesome. This is probably making tons of money. And I went on, and I saw, because we saw it that opening weekend, I think on a Saturday, and I looked up and it said, I think it was in a number three behind 
expendables and eat pray love was in second mm-hmm. i think that's I think, what our research yeah. yielded um and then in third was scott pilgrim with 10 million i was like that's like not a lot of money it, like even 15 year old me understood that and so right it was interesting for me to kind of see that it made so, so little money 10.6 million worldwide uh we would come to find out later it had grossed for 47.7 million and according to a couple different sources the movie's budget was 85 million dollars which is which is interesting and we'll get into some of that later mm-hmm. in the episode just con- as we discuss why did this movie fail um what were some of the like marketing problems and that kind of stuff but um it's interesting because it was critically acclaimed Rotten Tomatoes it has 82 84% critics audience respectively rating on IMDb. It has 7.5 out of 10 cinema score, a minus like all these very high ratings. And obviously it's very well-crafted and intentional. Like we talked a little bit about last week, but um, yeah, it's just, it's, this is a, this is a very interesting, one of the interesting components of why we're doing eight episodes on this movie and not two there's all these different components and the reception is one of them so we're just going to hit that right off the bat do you remember being surprised that it failed at the box office i'm gonna be really honest with you i it was not on my radar at the time when it was released now in retrospect it's kind of surprising like us talking about it now it's surprising to me um but yeah as a 15 year old i remember it coming out but that that was it. What, what you you said you were surprised, yeah? Yes, I was surprised. Like, were you surprised once you saw the movie to learn that like it flopped? Yes, yeah. Okay, so gotcha. so after we watched it, uh, senior year of college, I when I and I learned that it had basically bombed at the box office. I was surprised by that because it's such a fun movie. It's really funny. The and of course. They people didn't know most of the actors at the time, but the the actors are all great. It's a great cast. So so yeah, I was surprised once I had actually seen the movie. Yeah, it's a it is a very very interesting case. I know it wasn't on your radar at the time. Um, did you know anyone? Did any of you, any of your good friends go see it in high school? Maybe I don't. None that I'm, come to mind. None. That it was come it was the mind. same for me in that in that like I saw it, but none of my friends. Saw yeah, it. they either maybe, weren't interested or yeah. So maybe Dish saw it. I don't know. Yeah, past and future guest. <laughs> not even past. We've had two episodes. Not, not past podcast. Hopefully, I bet he would. He would. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think yeah, he would for sure. What else is playing in theaters at the same time? Expendables that weekend yes. made yeah. thirty four point eight million. Eat, pray, love made twenty three point one million. Have you seen? I've seen Expendables. Have you seen? Expendables and or Eat, Pray, Love. I I think I actually did go see Eat, Pray, Love, but I have no memory of it. I think the whole t- I think it was really geared towards white women in their like forties who just got divorced. That's what I think it was geared towards. It was I don't know why I saw it as a fifteen year old. Gotcha. Yeah i i have I have not seen it. Um, I am a big fan of Julia Roberts and James Franco's in it. Javier Bardem is in it and Billy Crudup. But yeah, it's I <laughs> both of those movies, it's it's ironic that um both of those movies were more successful than Scott Pilgrim because they were very much more 
traditionally mass marketed to a certain mm-hmm. demographic. Whereas Scott Pilgrim, that was one of the things that it really kind of failed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, is kind of in the shadow of some of its stars past or, or not past, but most recent movies. So we'll, we're going to get into some of that stuff, but yes. So that, that's what the top three looked like that weekend. Um, what other, what other movies came out in August of 2010? So in August of 2010, the other movies that came out that, that month were the other guys, I saw the devil vampires suck secretariat, Piranha 3D, Takers, The Last Exorcism, and The American. I saw, I, for the life of me, I cannot remember whether or not I saw Secretariat in theaters. I don't think, I think I saw it at home. Um, I didn't see any of those other movies in theaters. I saw, so we'll get into uh, our favorite movies of 2010 here in a second, but you, you, I want to hear about your experience with Vampire Suck. Yeah, so I saw Vampires Suck. Uh, for those of you who've never seen that movie, it's basically, it's it's filmed in the same vein as like the scary movie franchise where it's just making fun of all the like vampire movies that came out in the years leading up to that. Um, it's a bad movie. <laughs> but primarily spoofing Twilight. Yeah, it's primarily yeah. spoofing Twilight. Um, the main guy, I think it's Matt... Lautner, who voices Anakin in the Clone, the the animated series Clone Wars, I think he plays in the in it as the main vampire. But it's yeah, it's spoofing Twilight, and I saw it with a couple of my friends. And I remember at the time thinking this is dumb, but this is funny. But I feel like now I would be like, this is just dumb. I'm gonna go see Scott Pilgrim vs. the World instead. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Um, the top grossing movies of 2010 were Toy Story 3. I wish that we had put the uh, how, how much Budget. each of them grossed. But, yeah. Uh, the, top, the top 10 were Toy Story 3, Alice in Wonderland, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, Inception, Shrek Forever After, Twilight Eclipse, Iron Man 2, Tangled, Despicable Me, and How to Train Your Dragon. That was a really good top 10 for animated movies yeah that's what that's what i thought whenever i was looking at this list earlier uh these are really good animated movies i i remember seeing alice in wonderland in theaters um i have a question for you about an inception do okay. you when you first did you see first of all did you see inception this summer in theaters i did not i think i okay. saw it the following year like at someone's house gotcha so, so I th- I, yeah yeah no, I saw this ahead. movie in theaters. Do you do you think that this movie is difficult to understand? Mm, I don't. I think uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, "What is happening?" Uh-huh. Mostly out of like awe and wonder. I don't necessarily think it's like the hardest movie to understand. Mm-hmm. Do you? I I don't. But I'm also I've been listening to some podcasts and and stuff, and people have talked about Inception and. Christopher Nolan's movies, Tom Hardy's movies, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I I just remember, I remember very vividly enjoying the movie a lot mm-hmm. and talking to some of my friends afterwards and they were like, well, what is, like, we, we agreed that the ending was ambiguous, but mm-hmm. the, a lot of them were like, I don't, I didn't get what was going on. And it wasn't like they were on their phones or anything. We were in the theater and sure. this huge, massive IMAX is right there. And and they said, I didn't understand like what was happening and when they transitioned to the next world. I was like, I thought it was very clear. Like, all right, we're going into a dream now and right. we're waking up in a new 
literal new location. So anyway, I just, I was, I would argue with them about that. And so that's, that's my main (laughs) memory of, of inception. (laughs) So, yeah. So Isaac, uh, what were your favorite movies from 2010 besides Scott Pilgrim? Um, Scott Pilgrim was definitely the top. Um, it's funny because I went back on my letterbox and look, looked at what I saw and a lot of, I know that a bunch of these movies I saw in the years after. So I'm tr- mm-hmm. I tried to narrow it down to what I saw that summer. And I have, in, uh, so Inception, The King's Speech, Scott Pilgrim. I have Inception twice, almost read it twice, but I basically <laughs> spoke it twice. So I think I saw the A-Team with, so I was friends with three cousins mm-hmm. and they all were from different individual families and I was the outside friend. And I think we saw this movie together. We at least saw it on DVD, but we each were one of the four team members. And I think I was Hannibal. So I, for whatever, for whatever worth that anecdote is, there it is. And nice. Clash of the Titans. Did you see Clash of the Titans? No, this I summer? did not. No. This, <laughs> I saw this with my dad and it was a really fun time. The, <laughs> The I wanted to share this with you. The poster for this movie is Sam Worthington holding up Medusa's head towards, I guess, like the Kraken. Is it you, really? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like it's like not violent or anything. Sure. And you can't even tell what it is unless you look really that it's a head, like mm-hmm. unless you look closely. But if you, I see you're looking it up now. I yeah, I am. It's him holding up the head, and the title is below, and then the tagline is titans will clash which is the, like the ex- the name of the movie <laughs> and it, i i went back and looked at the poster and i just started cracking up because i realized how late i was just like they just know they know that people are gonna go see this and they're pumping so much money into it and uh freaking liam neeson's in it just just whatever i don't care like tagline whatever titans will clash that's fine so someone give me a tagline. Give Somebody me a give tagline me tag- now. Come on, come on. Yeah. So what anyway. <laughs> and then of course, Deathly Hallows Park 1. You had a pretty emotional experience with this movie. Is that correct? Yeah. So so I saw Deathly Hallows Part 1 in theaters. Like I think every person who had followed the Harry Potter series at all did. And at the end, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, at the end, when Dobby dies, I, I cried. I cried a lot, apparently, in the movies movie theater uh, in 2010. Uh, but I cried at that part. So that was that was one of the movies I saw that year. And then I also saw Toy Story 3, which was emotional for me. It's a freaking emotional movie. <laughs> it's a freaking emotional movie. Toy Story, that franchise was one of my favorite fran- franchises uh, growing up. And I went and saw it with one of my best friends and there was just a bunch of like random people in them, like in our group and like some guys I didn't know really that well were in our group and we were watching it and it was the part where you think, oh no, this is, this is where they're going to die. And they don't obviously, but uh, I I just started crying. I was like, man, this is a terrible way for them to go out. Like, I don't want this to happen. (laughs) I haven't seen that movie since it came out, but I do remember being kind of alarmed at how how perilous that situation (laughs) was. It was they're just getting pushed. Is it is it a they're like are they in in an incinerator? Yeah, like at a that's yeah like a garbage dump Uh and it's like the the trash is being pushed into an incinerator and they're they all 
start holding hands like one after another just hold grab each other's hands and hold on and they're like going out together and it was it was going to be this sad beautiful moment and then they're saved but then also it's sad later when you know Andy gives up the toys. So this anyway. was this was also this. I, I'm trying to remember whether or not my older brother saw this movie with us. I don't think he did, but this a lot of the emotional impact of Toy Story three was lost on both of us because we weren't about to go to college. But I think they timed it pretty well with a lot of parents whose kids had grown mm-hmm. up with the first three and they were either about to graduate or college or high school. So. Right. Genius. Yeah. Disney is genius money making machine. So yeah. 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 Um, World events 2010 kind of set the stage for what else was going on 10 years ago. Um, yeah. So in Hollywood, shout out to females. First and only female to win Oscar for best director, Catherine Bigelow for the Hurt Locker. Which is did pretty you, awesome. Did you see that movie? I'm not. Okay. This is, this is quickly becoming a podcast of us saying, did you see that? No. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, yeah, which is fine, but <clears throat> especially this episode because we're just setting the scene. Have you seen the Hurt Locker? I have. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me, sorry, a little, little flummy. Uh, yes, I have seen the Hurt Locker. I saw it. I think the follow, like I think I saw it like a year later. I didn't see it when it came out because it was rated R and I was fifteen. So yeah, but that makes sense. Uh, I remember really liking it, but I don't really remember that much about it because it was like ten years ago. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, lots of wins for the Hurt Locker at the Oscars mm-hmm. that year. Sandra Bullock won her first Oscar for the Blind the Side. Blind Side. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. I will not wear that gaudy orange. Hmm. Best the, line. Great, great line. That's that's what won. That's what locked it down for her. We stand Sandra Bullock. That's right. Uh, Oklahoma's very own Kings of Leon won several Grammys, uh, including a song or best rock song for the song you somebody which was everywhere that summer i did you grow up listening to kings of leon uh no okay i i didn't didn't know whether or not you did because of uh because you grew up like a good chunk of your life in oklahoma so i just didn't know i i would listen to their songs but uh you somebody was played on the radio so often that i was just like i was over it Mm -hmm. um but i do know like i grew up with like their cousins because some of them like yeah two of them i think are are related somehow either brothers or their cousins but a couple of their cousins like grew up with me so nice okay cool anyway um a couple other things barack obama was in his first term as president and feels like so long ago (laughs) yeah yeah that's crazy i remember i remember when he won the night he won i was with my dad just Mm -hmm. remember that vividly more important, probably most importantly, <laughs> Lady Gaga's meat dress at the MTV. Iconic. Yes. What a <laughs> moment DMAs, for all yeah. of us. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I do. I vaguely do, but yeah, I, you put I, it on here, so I, I, obviously it stuck with you a lot. It did stick with me. I I just find Lady Gaga is such an interesting person to me. Oh, yeah. And she's just a bold person. Anyway, yeah, yeah so sure. it stuck with me. Uh, also that year... There, that was the year that the 33 miners. This is going to take a s- sad turn. Real quick, um, but this is what happened. Big bummer, but it's okay because they got out. But the 33 miners in Chile were trapped underground for 69 days, which is a very long time. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Um. Well, okay, so now that we've set the stage, 
let's jump into just why Scott Pilgrim failed in August of 2010. Uh, before we do that, we're going to give a quick shout out to our producers, Ready Set Podcast. They have prices to fit any budget, an option for both hobbyists like Olivia and I, or professional podcasters. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. You can They can help you record, edit, and publish to all the different platforms. If you have a podcast idea, they'll give you a free consultation if you reach out to them on their website or social media. Their website is www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Olivia, why did this movie fail? Well, it kind of depends on who you ask. Uh, According to some of the resources, or yeah, the resources that we we saw was that um, it was related to the recession. It was a bad Which time. Which was not a take that I was I, I was surprised I was surprised at that take, but it's also it is interesting. Yeah, an article and that, somewhat valid. So. Yeah, an article that we read in the Atlantic said that during that time, no one was really wanting to see a movie about this twenty-year-old slacker who doesn't really do anything like he's in a band and that's about it uh, which is very valid i mean i think if a movie were to come out right now in kind of the climate we're in right now i feel like people would feel very similar mm-hmm. like have similar feelings yeah what do you what do you think about that there there are a bunch of a bunch of different reasons i think one thing that i discovered or that both of us discovered while mm-hmm. we were preparing for this episode is that there's a there was a Universal Pictures chairman, Mark Schmuger, which sounds fake, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. Um, which and we shouldn't be laughing because unfortunately he was fired in October of 2009 for greenlighting a string of flops: uh, Duplicity, Land of the Lost, Funny People, and he also greenlit Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and then some other movies like The Wolfman, Robin Hood in green zone matt damon this is really interesting um but it also kind of at the same time took the air out of kind of the the reasons why i thought maybe it failed but there Mm -hmm. was a legitimate business poor business decisions to let that led to this movie failing and part of it was like this the budget for this movie was insane um yeah yeah bomb report yeah Uh, i was just gonna say bomb report said that the movie's budget was 60 million but other sources say 85 so we don't we don't know how that was divvied up um but apparently Re- the wolfman yeah the wolfman robin hood also had huge budgets too so clearly there was just mismanaged finances throughout throughout those couple years right and i don't even remember hearing anything about the wolfman or green zone i i don't those movies do not even like register it with mm-hmm. me so Isaac, what what do you think happened? Like, what is your opinion on why it bombed? I th- I think that my main thing is that this is a movie that is very niche because it tries to be all these things. Mm-hmm. It tries to be a romantic comedy, an action movie because there are fight scenes in this movie, a an adventure, and kind of a get the girl. I guess that's kind of romantic comedy, but it tries to be all this stuff. And I watched the trailer before um, we hopped on here together, mm-hmm. but. The trailer starts with kind of a shot of Ramona and mm-hmm. then a shot of Scott looking at her and he slides up next to her and he goes, I, uh, he goes, hi. And she goes, just looks at him and he goes, I'll leave you alone forever right now. And has this very strong, <laughs> you know, like this, this looks like Nick and Nora part two and Nick and sure. Nora's yeah. infinite playlist came out two years before that. And 
but then the second half of the trailer after all that after he's like he's telling his friends i met this girl named ramona flowers the second half of the trailer is like intense not intense but like the fight scenes and the fast-paced and the the swords and all that stuff and it's if you i could i could see that a lot of people if they had seen that trailer and that was just one trailer we didn't psychoanalyze all of all of the scott pilgrim clips and marketing materials and trailers but that first trailer i would have been like what is is this a romantic this is a romantic comedy and i'm probably not going to want to go see it because at that point i wanted to see the the adventures the adventure and action movies uh, titans so i think it was just <laughs> titans will clash <laughs> So I think it was, you just couldn't mass market this movie, which is good because you and I like those kinds of movies. We like the unique kind of interesting flavor that's not for everyone, but, and there's a way to make them succeed, Mm -hmm. but clearly Universal just didn't know how to market this well. So, yeah. 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 No, I agree with you. I think that uh, for a lot of people, because it, it it felt like Michael Sarah was just in movie after movie after movie, kind of playing the same character. Uh, I mean, I I love Michael Sarah. That I'm not trying to like bash on him, but it, it felt like he was just kind of playing the same character over and over again. So I can see where people were like, "This is Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist Part Two. It's just him playing the same kind of court like dorky guy." So yeah, I I agree with you that it's. Uh, it's hard to market this when it's all over the place like that. Yeah. And the, I don't think... Yeah, so... Yeah, go ahead. I, I interrupted you. I was I just going to finish your thought. <laughs> I don't think that they they knew what to do with this movie yeah. as far as, like, marketing is concerned. The, yeah, and they did market it, and they did, you know... Maybe, maybe Universal was thinking that this is the guy who directed Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, which were had kind of post-release home video era mm-hmm. of their lifetime which was pre-scott pilgrim became popular in the united states like i remember this is crazy but like i remember seeing hot fuzz in i think like 2008 or like pretty mm-hmm. early i was young yeah. and i definitely wasn't allowed to but i sneaked it behind my parents <laughs> backs so i think maybe they thought like hey this is the guy who did this like come see this because it's going to be some more of the same if you like hot fuzz and Shot right. the Dead. so yeah so do you think it would have worked better as a series? Um, I I don't think it would have worked in 2010. I think okay. I think this movie was kind of ahead of its time. Maybe as a 2016 Netflix series. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about next week is that there this movie's jam packed with so much content and material and material that it's based on. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think the movie does a disservice to is the Canadian setting and what i mean by that is it's set in toronto and toronto's as we discussed was like one of the it's one of the huge huge filming locations deadpool was filmed there it's one of the huge filming locations in north america because they have good tax incentives it's a great it's a great city it's cool and they portray it as the grungy nightlife and that's one thing that works against the movie but i think that if in a series you could explore that pretty well Mm -hmm. you could explore the good like the beautiful parts of the city, the grungy parts, the suburbs, all of that. And you you don't get a lot of memorable scenes or, or um, locations specifically. You have some yeah. you have in some interesting set pieces, mm-hmm. but not interesting specifically locations. So yes. anyway. Yeah. 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 I feel like it would probably work better as a animated series. Mm-hmm. Just because the the comics are so cool. Um 
I mean, and I also am partial to animation anyway and drawing anything like that. Uh, and, and I think what you said about it being a series in like 2016 would be that's an interesting thought because that's also around the time all those dc shows were really picking up see like steam on the cw uh which brandon ralph is in uh mm -hmm. so uh i think that i think that maybe it probably would have worked better as a series at that point in time as opposed mm -hmm. to 2010 so if you were to market this if you were to go around and market this how would you do it would it be how would, would it be different than what they did i you have to commit to one of the genres for sure mm -hmm. you can't you know and and i what i would have done is like i would have put this movie up as a straight adventure because yeah. because that's what i mean no so Shaun of the dead was a comedy but it, but it's an adventure Mm -hmm. and he's good at edgar Wright's good at comedy hot fuzz is the same way you have those quick cuts you have them running you know exact you know exactly what it is and it's okay with if you had marketed a movie like Scott Pilgrim and you didn't you knew you were able to define this is an adventure but at the heart of the adventure is the story of Ramona and Scott mm -hmm. and the movie was presented as this is the story of Ramona and Scott and he has to there're going to be a bunch of fight scenes right which yeah. is which i'm sure threw a lot of people off so i would have just marketed it as an adventure with romance because those work a lot better than mm -hmm. romance with a little bit of adventure or like a drama. That's basically a drama. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, I feel like I don't really have anything to add to that point. <laughs> yeah. We, one of the things that we jumped past kind of quick is like when you were talking about Michael Sarah is I, I just, and we'll talk about this on another episode where we rank the <laughs> characters in this movie, but he, he is not very convincing as an action hero, which right. which is yeah we we like him in this movie, but I I just again I think that the Nick and Nora shadow loomed very very large when they brought Michael Sarah in to play Scott. I mean, and it's it's fine because yeah. I'll I'll watch I'll watch this movie once a month like Eric Pham does. But <laughs> I yeah I it's interesting. We'll we'll talk about that a lot more on future episodes. So yeah. So Isaac, why is it so popular now? Streaming. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think there are any other big reasons? I mean, it's on Netflix right now, and I wish that Netflix released their numbers to see. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie was one of the most viewed pieces of content that was released a decade ago. Right. Because I think if you watch, like, if you are a fan of Arrested Development, mm -hmm. this movie is going to pop up in your suggestions for you, kind of yep. thing. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. Or or um, nerdy stuff for yeah. lack, for lack of yeah. a better better word. So you know, if you watch any of what few Marvel movies are left on there, it's gonna probably pop up because it's sort of in that same vein. Mm -hmm. Although obviously, it's it's got a very different feel than uh, yeah. like Marvel movies. Yeah. So um, this is the perfect movie to first of all, it's rewatchable. We've said that so many times. Everyone's probably getting tired of us saying that, <laughs> but. This is the perfect movie to put on if you are with, first of all, if you're with friends who you know like it, it mm -hmm. is so, it, you can talk over it, you can pause to watch a great scene, you can, it's, it's just the best. And, and this has a, one of the, one of the crazy things about its resurgence is Letterboxd, which was created several years ago. I don't want to say specifically because I don't know off the top of my head, but really popular movie aggregate site where you can list and record everything that you've 
uh, watch, it has a 3.9 out of 5. And for contrast, Parasite has 4.6. So this movie has just a huge following and a mm-hmm. very, very dedicated following. So it's just it's just one of those interesting gems of that, that this has lasted this long in pop culture. So Right, yeah. yeah. And Parasite is the highest rated movie on Letterboxd, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So it's not it's not close to Parasite, but Parasite definitely is a masterpiece and Scott Pilgrim <laughs> is not quite a masterpiece, but it is it is real, real good, as right. as I like to say about well, stuff. So Yeah. Isaac, thank you for discussing the critical and financial reception of Scott Pilgrim versus the world with me today. You're welcome. I thought that was a fun time. Yeah, it was good. So uh, what are we talking about on the next episode? On the next episode, we will discuss the comics of Scott Pilgrim versus the world that they were based on. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. No, I read that wrong. (laughs) We're going to be discussing the comics and the movie and just basically talking about the major differences, what they Mm -hmm. had to trim down out of the six volumes. Interesting trivia that uh, Olivia, you've done a lot of research on and you know kind of a little bit of what was going on with the final volume. Right, yeah. Whenever the fo- the final volume where Scott has to show down with the last X and the movie hadn't been released yet. So Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh I uh I'm a big fan of trivia. I like looking up trivia. It's for some people they love it about me. Some people I'm sure find it to be really annoying. But <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about the comics compared to the uh the movie. Anyway, so I'm looking forward to it. If you've made it to I the do, end of this yeah. episode, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to wherever you're listening. Uh share this with your friends and family. If you know anyone who loves Scott Pilgrim or just movies in general, we would greatly appreciate that. And be on the lookout because we are going to post on our social media pictures of 2010 Isaac and Olivia compared to what we look like today. And I found this terrible, terrible picture of me. Oh, it's such a great pic of you. Yeah, it is. It is awesome. Can't wait to share it with everyone. So this is Isaac from Arkansas signing off. This is Olivia from Oklahoma signing off. This has been Flyover Film Show. Cue the music. Goodbye. Peace out.